When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to How To Money, a financial education podcast for young Australians aimed at opening up the conversation around money. In each episode, your host, Kate Campbell, brings in a variety of guests to explore everything from buying shares to starting your own business, all with the aim of kickstarting your personal finance journey. Just a quick reminder that everything we cover in this podcast is for financial education purposes only, and we are not giving you any advice. If you do want advice, please seek the help of a qualified and competent professional and do some research. Remember, it's your money, so take control. Hi, Sky. Thank you so much for joining me on the How To Money podcast today. No worries. Thanks for having me. Now, before we get started, I'd love if you could explain a little bit more about your role at NGS Super and your career to date. Sure. I'd love to. My name is Sky King and I joined NGS Super in November of 2018. So my current role is Senior Manager of ESG and Responsible Investment. So in that role, I drive the fund's responsible investment strategy and I work with the entire investment team to integrate and monitor the ESG within our broader investment portfolio. So NGS Super is an industry super fund and we have approximately 115,000 members and manage approximately 11.7 billion in funds under management and that's across a variety of asset classes. So we serve mainly the education and care sectors but we're open to the public meaning you don't have to belong to those sectors to join NGS Super. Prior to being an NGS Super I worked with another small industry super fund called Quick Super. And prior to that, I worked with an administration firm that mainly administered for industry super funds. Awesome. So what I wanted to talk about today, uh, and this is really relevant to your role, and I think a lot of people are really interested at the moment, all about ethical investing. And I think you're the perfect person to answer some of these questions for us. So what I thought I'd start off with is, what is ethical investing? Yeah, it's a good question. And yes, I love the topic. So we'll get right in there. (laughs) Ethical investing is making investment decisions based on your morals or internal belief system. So with ethical investing, there's no one size fits all. Another term for ethical investing is also socially conscious investing. And there's a few other terms that you can throw in there as well. Mm. But ethical investment strategies typically avoid what the industry refers to as sin stocks. So they could be companies that are involved in industries such as gambling, 
alcohol, smoking or firearms, fossil fuels. There's a big long list. But that, in a nutshell, that is ethical investing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's quite difficult to define it because everyone's like ethics is so completely different. And what I might think is an ethical stock, you might not, and another person might think completely differently. So it must be quite challenging trying to work out where to draw the line. Yeah. And look, that's why it's always really important whenever you're looking at, you know, an ethical investment strategy or a product that you do go and have a look at those, that product's documents. So whether it be the PDS document or information on the website to actually look and see how they define their ethical investment rules. And generally, ethical investing will have negative screens. So they will screen out some of those sin stocks or areas that they don't want to be invested in, but there can also be positive screen also. So they'll, they'll kind of highlight the areas which they are more attracted to in terms of investment. So that's why it is so important that you know what you're signing up for to make sure that that aligns with your own values belief system. Mm, Absolutely. And I think there's, it can sometimes be a little bit confusing when you are looking for an ethical investing type investment option. And because so many of the funds define it differently and they use different words, just a couple I've seen recently, impact investing, ESG, sustainable, socially responsible. Are they all essentially the same idea or are there some differences between them? Yeah, it's so confusing, isn't it? (laughs) I even get tripped up sometimes. But what I will say is in one way, shape or form, they are all related and trying to achieve a similar goal and that is to do better. So when explaining this to people, I always like to start with explaining the acronym ESG. So ESG is the broad term that stands for the E being environment, the S being social, and the G being governance. So generally, you can categorise all the potential issues that could affect an investment from an ESG point of view under the E, the S, or the G. So for example, an integral part of our investment strategy is that we believe that ESG integration within the investment strategy and process is really important as it gives you or it gives the fund, sorry, another tool to reduce risk and improve risk-adjusted returns for members. So to that end, like a climate-related issue that a company might be facing, that would fall under the E for environment. And then you might have a human rights issue or violation that a company might be facing. That would fit under the S category as a social issue. And then issues surrounding gender diversity at board level would be a governance issue. So I really find that defining that ESG is a good sort of port of call when thinking about sort of responsible investment more broadly. Mm. You know, you can get a little bit more granular and you can go into ethical investing, which we've discussed earlier, is more morals and values based. And, you know, there can be that positive screening element, which then brings us on to impact investment, which is a very big buzzword of late. You know, it's it's all over the place. So mm-hmm. when you're focusing on sort of impact investing, it means you're focusing your investment efforts in companies that are having a positive impact on society. And again, that's really broad. Like positive impact can be defined in many, many different ways. So an example where we utilise positive impact is via our social impact bonds. So we currently have four social 
impact bonds that are active and it's as simple as investing a sum of money for which we get a financial return and the investment commitment is used for addressing social needs in society and they can vary. Yeah, so I think it's quite interesting that approach whether you think of it as I'm putting my money in an impactful way, I'm going to invest in companies that I believe in and doing things better for the world or that reverse approach which I think a lot of ETFs use is just we're going to have the set index and we're going to strip out all of the companies that don't fit our criteria. Is How do you approach it? Are you usually, do you start with zero or do you start with a hundred stocks? So with NGS Super, we, our investment strategy, we appoint specialist third-party investment managers to manage our portfolio. So each of our managers have a very different process and we spend a lot of time making sure that we understand that process and we think that process is fit for our portfolio. But what we do do is across our entire portfolio, we have three, I guess you would call them ethical exclusions, and that is your negative. These are taken out of the investment universe regardless. Hmm. And that's um, there in relation to tobacco, thermal coal, and controversial weapons and armaments. However, then our main priority is ESG integration, and we kind of discussed what the E and the S and the G means earlier. But where that becomes important, it's more of a flexible framework because you're looking at companies and we promote our investment managers to look at companies with good ESG scores because companies with ESG controversies generally can attract volatility or impact to their investment returns because of said controversy. So we kind of take a hybrid approach whereby we have those few exclusions across our whole portfolio, but we also try and find best of breed companies through the ESG framework, making sure it's integrated with the entire investor process. Mm. And I think people are really starting to pay a lot more attention about what these Australian listed companies are doing. Just in the media in the last few weeks, we've seen a few examples of companies being sort of heavily criticised for either environmental issues or governance issues. And actually, it's I think it's quite good to see that people are more interested and sort of care a bit more about what these companies are doing behind the scenes. A hundred percent. And like we're very big on active ownership and engagement. So Mm. ESG integration goes hand in hand with being an active owner and engaging with your companies because no one is perfect, right? No company is going to get through life without any (laughs) form of hiccup. So you don't make money by dropping a company at the first sign of trouble or the first time they make a mistake. What we do is as long as there's not systemic and really major issues with the company that does warrant investment, active ownership and engagement is a key tool to influence change and that is a value creation tool because if you've got a company that can positively change through engagement from various shareholders and you know the superannuation industry is fairly collaborative on this front so we can essentially combine our investment power and really get a seat at that table with those companies to say this isn't good enough it needs to change and this is what we want to see the company do and that's a loud voice and just you know of late we have seen a few controversies and we are moving the dial with really really proactive engagement which is good. 
Mm, and I think, yeah, super funds are putting their names out there in terms of what they believe in and how they're voting at the moment. Because often just one shareholder, your vote's not going, the individual vote's not going to make a difference. But if you have a lot of shareholders and you've got the shareholders are talking to the super funds and the members of the super funds actually telling their super fund, this is what I believe in. That actually really starts to move the needle, doesn't it? 100%. And I see all our members' inquiries and I love hearing from members because it makes me feel like what I'm doing is actually meaningful and people do care about this. And I get regular inquiries from active members of all ages, which is really interesting, on how we're expected to vote on XYZ Company's upcoming AGM and this specific resolution. How are you voting in relation to that? I want to know. And that, for me, is beautiful engagement with members and it makes me know that those members are actually engaged with their superannuation as well, which is, you know, an even bigger win. Mm. The other thing that's really awesome, we disclose our proxy voting live. So pretty much, you know, 24 to 48 hours, depending on where the meeting occurred in the world, our members can log on and see exactly how the fund voted. And you know, if that's if that's not in line with their expectations, you'll be sure I'll be hearing from <laughs> from the members. That, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's probably something a lot of people haven't thought about doing. I mean, I haven't personally even thought about doing that. Actually, sending my super fund a message and going, "How are you voting? Is there anywhere online I can find out how you're voting on different company issues for the things I'm invested in?" Hundred percent, and there's two elements to that. There's the retrospective, how have you voted, and having mm-hmm. that open disclosure, transparent disclosure about how funds are doing that. And the second thing is their proxy voting policy. So, let me read and understand at a future AGM or proxy voting meeting, how will you vote? And those policies mm-hmm. should be available online as well for most super funds. So. That's a really cool thing for members to really get up to speed on if they're interested in the in the topic. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good way to stay a bit more engaged with your money as well because it, it may be many decades, I know, for me before I'm ever going to be able to touch my super. So I definitely should be knowing what my company, which way my um, super fund is voting. So that's definitely something I think is a good idea to do. Now, when, just say I want to, look at an individual company and I'm trying to figure out whether it's ethical, maybe I guess that's really broad, but how do I work out if the company is operating in line with my values? Where would I start from to work that out and what should I be looking for? Yeah, so ethics, if you were trying to make an assessment as to whether a company was ethical or not, that's really hard because ethics are very subjective to any individual, Mm -hmm. right? So I would recommend if you were wanting to make an assessment on how sound a company is from an ESG point of view, and I know that's broad as well, that's a little bit easier. So from the E, so the environmental side of things, you can look at how the company operates and their impact, whether it be positive or negative on the environment. You know, have they been polluting the environment? Are they negatively contributing or positively contributing to the circular economy with our big plastic war that we've got going on. Um, has the uh, how, how is the company being a responsible corporate citizen in promoting the longevity and sustainability of our environment? 
So a lot of listed companies these days have all of this information available on their website. So they normally have a CSR report, Corporate Social Responsibility Report or similar that you can download and read through. And I know it sounds like it is a long report, but there is some really valuable information in those in those reports. On the social side, so that's the S and ESG, you can look at how a company manages their relationships with customers, how they treat their staff, stakeholders, and importantly, the communities in which they operate and serve. Again, that CSR report can be gold on that. And also just doing a quick Google and looking, you know, clicking the little news tab. Because generally, if a company's done something wrong in any of these areas, someone will have reported on it. Mm. You know, always just filtering through the news if you've got a specific company that you're wanting to look at is is definitely a good way to go there. And then finally, on the governance side, that's where you're looking at the company's leadership. So that includes the C-suite at management and the board. So looking at their remuneration reports, their latest auditors report, um, you know, you can get some insight at looking at those reports into how well the company is controlled from an internal controls point of view. And that comes back to audit as well, how they treat their shareholders. And more recently, another buzzword is culture at the company Mm -hmm. because I think we all know that where there's a bad cultural, there's systemic cultural issues at a company, that generally leads to poor governance practices. So culture is a bit a hard thing to get a read on. Again, the news filter and uh, search is is a good way to do that. But, yeah, culture is very important. Mm, I know one of my friends actually looks at glass door reviews of previous employees, but I, yes. I think often people only write reviews if they're really, really happy or really unhappy. Yeah, and look, that's not a bad. I do like that. Like, obviously, as a super fund, we have access to, you know, I'm trying to tailor this for, you know, a, a member to be able to go and get publicly available information. But as a super fund, we have access to a lot of information that gives us very deep insight into the E, S and the G of every one of the companies that we invest in. So it's definitely worthwhile to do. Mm, And I think if you do a bit of that digging, if you are trying to invest individually in different companies, you might find out all sorts of things not just from the ethical standpoint, but you might find out if there's any red flags as well. Because I think often if you're looking for those ESG elements, they do bring up just searching for each of them does sort of show you if there's any red flags about a company as well. Yeah, completely. I totally agree. Yeah. So I was wondering if you are able to give us an example of an investment you've made recently in a a company that fits under your ESG framework. Yeah. So I think For us as a super fund, we appoint investment managers. So we aren't actually their responsible picking individual stocks. However, there are super funds that do have internal investment teams where that is their sort of purpose and role. And then there's super funds that have a hybrid approach where they have some, you know, outsourced investment managers and they'll internally manage some funds as well. So for us, when we're choosing because we're one step removed, we spend a lot of time looking at the investment processes of the managers that we appoint in terms of how they integrate ESG truly into their investment process. And what we look for there is, I'll use the word true integration. So we want to see that ESG risks 
are actually being considered when they're deciding whether or not to put a company or company A over company B into the portfolio. Because the other important thing is we can't all have 100 companies in our portfolio that have A plus on their ESG rating. But what we want to see is where there's a company that might be a C on ESG, that the risk and the return has been priced in accordingly, that that is a, a company that has some work to do on ESG and that's an engagement opportunity. So then with that, these managers, we expect them to have an ability and a proven track work record to engage with these companies because that's where shareholder value is created, you know, bringing a company from a C all the way up to an A. So not only does NGS Super directly engage with companies within our portfolio, we expect our investment managers to do that engagement as well. Yeah. One of the common arguments, I think, against ESG and ethical investing is that it underperforms over time. Are you able to comment on that? Yeah, that's a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I think what I can say is I think that considering ESG risks when building an investment portfolio definitely improves long-term risk-adjusted investment returns. And that's what we focus on at the end of the day. Like When a company is faced with an ESG controversy, this generally affects the share price. And the effect could be short-term volatility, which is, you know, as expected, or it could be systemic and long-term. And that's what we're trying to avoid by integrating ESG into our investment strategies. By virtue of this, we're hoping that that then improves long-term risk-adjusted returns. Mm, and because often you weed out red flat, yeah. weed out bad companies as well while you're doing that research. So even though it might not sort of outperform per se, it might outperform because you've taken out bad companies. Yeah, so. it's almost like you can sometimes see the perfect storm brewing. Mm. You know, it's not always the way that you can be in that position. But, you know, if you're live to the ESG issues of your portfolio and the stocks that are in your portfolio and you're having regular dialogue with the companies, which all of our managers are, you know, that sort of identification is key to reduce risk and improve the long-term returns of the portfolio. Mm, Absolutely. So do you think ethical investing actually has a positive impact on the world? Again, with ethical investing, I think it comes down to a set of those beliefs and values. Mm. But through an ethical exclusion lens, so that's where you're sort of taking out, you know, those areas where you've said, no, that breaches my ethical or moral values. We don't want to be invested in that. If you ask me, you know, if refusing to invest in tobacco manufacturers and producers was going to have a positive impact on the world, I would say 100% yes. (laughs) Like, why? I guess, you know, it's proven that there's no safe use of tobacco. It contributes to the early death of two out of three smokers. So there's a good reason. And then you turn your mind to the impacts of the healthcare system worldwide from tobacco use and addiction. And there's also really prevalent human rights issues within the tobacco industry, which is not something that we think is accretive to shareholder value and just introduces more risks. So depending on the issue, I definitely think that ethical investing can have a positive impact on the world. Hmm. And as more super funds, which sort of have a massive amount of power here, take money off the table from these companies that aren't sort of within these ESG framework and put money into companies that are doing really positive things and sort of inventing new things and environmental things for Australia, that will start to have quite a big change as that 
money shifts slowly as sort of more people tell their super funds they want to their money invested within a sort of ESG framework. A hundred percent. And, you know, it really does. There's been a lot of divestment of tobacco over the more recent times. NGS Super and a lot of other super funds are members of the tobacco-free portfolios movement, which is a really, really important initiative headed up by Dr. Bronwyn King. There are so many reasons why we shouldn't be investing in tobacco producers and manufacturers. So, you know, it's a really good, really good example of how, you know, the superannuation industry can actually have a positive impact on such an important issue. Absolutely. And before we finish, I was wondering if you can provide some suggestions on how other young Australians can take control of their money and invest it in line with their values and beliefs. Sure, love to. So advice for young Australians, I would say before you start looking at all the products that are out there, because it can be overwhelming, you know, we've (laughs) spoken this, you know, the last 20 odd minutes about how subjective some of these definitions and meanings are. Mm. I would suggest you take some time for yourself, you and just a piece of paper and jot down what's important to you as a person, what sings to your values and beliefs. And the reason I say that is because there are so many options out there and it's really good to start without any influence. Mm. Just that blank sheet of paper and you jot them all down. Then after that, I would suggest starting looking at where your super is invested. So that's always good to know. Then read the PDS, which can be a little bit boring, but I urge you to read it. And also most funds these days have a really robust responsible investment section on their website, which can be a little bit kinder to read. You know, it's less heavy than the PDS. It still is important to read the PDS and understand, you know, the ins and outs of the options that you're actually in but definitely suggest digesting some of the information on the responsible investment sections of the websites out there because they are, it is very user-friendly. So if you're reading things that aligns with your values, that's great. But if not, you need to look at other options that are out there, you know, either other options within your fund or other super funds that are offering similar options and just do that via embarking on the same process. The responsible investment section of their website, the PDS or the offering documents for the investment options. But one thing I'd love to stress is before making any investment decisions to switch your money or or anything like that, I would highly recommend speaking to a financial planner or someone authorised to give financial advice. It may sound daunting, but it really isn't. You know, most super funds these days, like NGS, offer this service to their members and it can be as simple as a phone call, but it's really important. And the reason why it's so important to chat to a financial planner before making these decisions is, as you pointed out earlier, you know, we've got a long time to invest before we can actually realise these retirement savings. And we want to make sure they're working as we think and we expect them to be working and that we have enough for retirement. So you also need to ensure that your investment meets your objectives and needs. So a planner will ensure that they take into account not only those values and beliefs that you've spent so much time sort of trying to determine yourself and doing a little bit of research yourself to inform yourself, but they'll also take into account important things like diversification, you know, of your investment strategy, your risk appetite. So how likely or or how comfortable you are with negative returns. 
and then your overall investment strategy and objectives. And I think we can't lose sight of the fact that superannuation is our vehicle to retirement. So we can't just blindly go values and beliefs. This is this is <laughs> where I'm putting all my money. We really need to have that grounded view. And that's why a financial planner is really, really helpful in that sense, just to make sure that we're still meeting the overall objectives of superannuation, which is, you know, to give us a great retirement. Mm, absolutely. Well, Sky, thank you so much for coming on today. If people want to learn a little bit more about you and NGS Super, where should they go? Oh, I think, uh, why don't you head over to the NGS Super website or, yeah, contact us. We'd be all happy to chat to you. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing uh, a little bit more about ethical investing on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the How To Money Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and send any questions our way via www.howtomoney.online. You can also catch us on Twitter and Instagram at howtomoneyaus and we'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to the How To Money Podcast.